So Gary started our Hidden Christmas series two weeks ago, and he talked about unveiling the reason for the season. And he talked about the fact that what Christmas is all about is being lost in the world, and it's getting lost more and more. In America, they call it Happy Holidays. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with Jesus anymore. So we have lights and we have Christmas, and I was pleased to see that Gary said it's okay if we have a little Father Christmas in our house, because Ian loves this freaking Father Christmas that does this, and got little lights and bells, and every year he puts up this great big tree, and I'm like, your vision, your job, and I lie on the couch with my coffee, and he puts all these baubles on, and then at the end of the season, on about the 10th of January, he asks me to try and help him, and I have grace, and I help him take it all down again. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So Gary spoke about, uh, let's just see if we're going the right way, that way. Yes. He spoke about the fact that the world thinks if, if we all sing Kumbaya, we can make it happen by ourselves. And he had this slide up, and I thought it was worth uh, reading again. It says, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph, and we'll be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us, mankind. And we are the ones that can dispel the darkness of the world. We can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, and evil. And if we work together, we can create a unity of peace. Kumbaya. You know? And then Gary said, can we? Heck no. Heaven knows. He Somebody shaking their head there. So the bottom line is that the world looks to human resources, but we know that the message of Christmas is not that. We know that the message of Christmas is about Jesus Christ, the light. And Gary spoke as well about the light, that when you want darkness to flee, you have to go and turn the lights on, the darkness automatically flees. And that's what does it, because Jesus, the light of the world, created the world, so surely he's the only one that can fix the problems of the world. So it's not all about the lights and us having a good time. And then a key word for today, which came out of Gary's preach, was the word repentance. Because the only way you can embrace the full meaning of Christmas is you have to repent. You have to see that Jesus is the light. And you'll see as we go along that that's a key um, point. And then last week, um, Louise spoke about the genealogy of Jesus. And she spoke about all the bad girls in his background. You know, some were prostitutes and some did this and some did that. And she asked the question... Why would Matthew in Matthew 1, why would he bring up this genealogy? And the reason for it, it must be, it's left, right? Lee, tell me it's left. That's right. There we go. Right, I've got it now, right. And the meaning for this was, as per the slide, all of us have got skeletons in our cupboard. We've all got bad girls or bad boys somewhere. Grandpa did something he shouldn't have. And the key about the message of Christmas is that all of us are included. We can all come to Christ. And Louise said, this is her very slide, shows that, that message shows that the very people who are excluded normally by culture, society, and even religious law can come in. And even if you've murdered somebody, you know, the most mind-blowing thought is that if Hitler had encountered Jesus Christ the day before he died in terms of true repentance, not because he knew he was going to get something, because repentance isn't about what I get, it's about saying, you are God and I am man. Hitler would have gone to heaven. Hey, the blood of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, so far extending. And then last week, Louise also spoke about advice and news. So she said, if a country was going to war like Ukraine, they would call some military advisors to give them advice, advice. What the heck are we going to do here? But if a king stepped in, like America, or another king came in and fought the war for them, it's no longer advice. It's then good news. 
And that's what Jesus has done for us. He has come in and created good news. So if you're here today, if you've ever wondered what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you're going to get it today. Because the gospel is, means good news. So Jesus has come in and we can no longer afford to just have him as an advisor in our lives. No, he's the king because he's created a freedom and he's won the war already. And that's what the good news is all about. So today we are going to speak about incarnation and the word Emmanuel. So you've heard this word, the incarnated Christ, and you've probably all went, well, I must have had too much pizza last night because I don't know what that word means. And I will tell you. We're going to talk about the incarnation and, and the knock-on effect of what, is, what incarnation means has created Emmanuel. So incarnation basically means in a nutshell that Jesus came from Trinity. He came incarnate in human form, in flesh. So let's say God wanted another kind of a Messiah. He could have gone, Moses, Abraham, Ezekiel, you're it. You're going to die for the sins of the people. No, he came down himself. And this is going to be a big theme today. Jesus came himself in human form for us and to us. Am I still on? It feels a bit weird. And then Emmanuel means God with us. So you've probably heard that at Christmas we sing the Emmanuel songs, and we just sing them, and we don't know what it means really, but we just sing it. Well, I'm telling you what it means today is God with us, and you're going to see why the incarnation where him actually coming himself in the flesh has made a, a God with us experience, and we're going to look at that very closely. So now in terms of you know, Louise spoke about the, the mothers of Jesus last week, and I'm going to speak about the fathers for two lines, and then we're going to go to the incarnation because it's very exciting. So the fathers, Yahweh is Jesus' father. Joseph was not his biological dad. He was uh, like a stepdad. Okay? So the very DNA, the blood of God runs through Jesus. So if you think about it, the uncreated, beginningless, omnipotent God of the universe took on human nature and came to be with us. So if you think that God is Trinitarian in nature, we don't understand that term either. Uh, because in, Let me tell you one thing, that incarnation is only one of, only one, one incarnate being. Nobody else ever came. So all the other religions, it was a man. Like I said, if there was another prophet or a messiah, it was a man. And we had to go up to God in these other religions, do something to get his favor. This God came down to us. There's only one incarnate and there's only one trinity. And I think the reason we don't understand trinity is because there's only one of them. There's no other model like it. One. And if God created everything, and, and uh, there's three persons, three in one, right? So if one of the persons came to earth, then the only way back is through that mechanism, that corridor. You can't have it any other way. So any other religion is fake. They, they say, I mean, Ed and I went and spoke, heard a guy speak recently, a, a top Muslim in the world who happens to be a South African. And on the stage with hundreds of people in the room, he said, we're all serving the same God and the same Father we can get back. And I went, no, we can't. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many other followers of the Christ were in that room and read with me. But we all, of course, kept silent because it's polite. You can't jump up on a stage and berate the man. The only way back is through that because that's how it came down. Everything else outside of that does not belong. So now, remember that Jesus is fully God, fully man. You've heard that term in this church. 100% God, 100% man. So when he came to earth for us, he did not lay aside his deity. He remained fully God. And many Christians get their heads really in a twist over this. So he kept his deity, but he, the Bible says he laid aside his glory. And again, it's like fish paste, fish paste. What does that mean? It means 
that he had nothing special about him. So he didn't look brilliant like bronze gods, you know. He was just ordinary like us. He came as a baby, grew up. He was probably, you know, quite a rustic, hairy guy. He's a carpenter, big built. He laid aside his glory. There was nothing special about him. So he didn't have anything on us. He's not like he's more perfect than we are. And you'll see as we go along, although he retained his deity legally, he did not operate in that deity. So everything he did on earth, he had to do just like we did. He had to trust the Father every step of the way. He became ordinary, just like us. So now, you know, the resurrection's astounding, but the incarnation's mind-blowing. And I'll tell you why. Other people have been resurrected. And if another prophet came and God said, okay, you're it, you can die for the sins of the people, and that person rose again, that would be astounding. Same as Jesus' resurrection, astounding. But incarnation, that's, let's go back to the beginning, boys. This is the, the, the right, right where it starts. If we get incarnation, then everything else follows. And we, un, we understand God came flesh. When I was preparing this talk, I went, you know, you know it, but until it grasps your heart, until it grasps it so badly that you want to jump up in church and raise your hands, then you didn't really get it yet. And I, I'm sort of getting it as I, as I go along. There is only one incarnation. And he did this all for us. So when you feel lonely and afraid and betrayed and, and abandoned, remember that Jesus went through that too. Because he became a baby, became flesh. So the night before the crucifixion at Gethsemane, he was in the garden, fully God, fully man, has his deity intact but can't use it per se while he's on the earth, knows what's coming and he says, if there's any way, can this cup pass from me? I don't know about you. I look around and I see some faces that I talk to regularly and some of us have got, Jesus, can you just take this cup from me? It's too hard. I can't do this. It's like, really? Is there not another way? Sweating great drops of blood for us. So when you feel like that next time, go to your closet Raise your hands in the shower, as I tell some of my friends, and just say, you are God and I am man, and I don't understand what's going on, and I'm not having fun, but I know you went through it. And then the next day on the cross, fully God, fully man, hanging there dying for our sins, and in a split moment when the sins of the, of the whole world fell on his shoulders, God the Father had to look away, because he can't look on sin, he's holy. And in that moment, Jesus cried out, as a God, as a man, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And again, I felt like that in my life, and I'm sure some of you do too. So next time you feel like, honestly, you've left. The Holy Spirit's gone. You have forsaken me. Friends, he never forsakes us, ever. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, I will be with you, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. He's always there. So the reason he came incarnate was for two reasons. One was to show us that God exists, right? But the other one, we're now moving on to Emmanuel, is so that we can experience what Emmanuel means, and it means God with us. So we think sometimes that God's a little bit out of us. He's like the bank manager. You know, we go there when we need something. No, he's with us all the time. And the key is that he is God, he is human, he is with us. Next time you're down and you feel abandoned and this cup is too heavy for me, go into the, your closet, even if you have to literally go into your closet and hide in the back there where it's nice and dark, you are God, you are man, you are with me. We should get some mantras, you know. We don't practice mantras in the, in the Pentecostal charismatic environment, but I'm developing a couple for myself. You are God, you are human, you are with me. So where Emmanuel came from, it's from this scripture. 
in Matthew. Mary becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit, the Immaculate Conception, going to become a virgin birth, and Joseph is about to marry her, and he's like, oops, this wasn't me, you know. So he's considering um, divorcing her, and an angel comes to him, and, and the angel says, don't be alarmed, this is by the Holy Spirit. And then it says to him in 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And it's in Isaiah somewhere, I just can't remember the reference. Uh, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph was like, okay, I'm good with this. We'll, we'll manage the fallout later on. So now there could have been two other kinds of gods that didn't come, and why they didn't come. The one God would have been an awesome infinitely holy God, and he wouldn't have bothered to come because <clears throat> he would have said, you guys blew it, fix it, shape up or ship out, and find a way back to me. Cheers, dears. And he wouldn't, why would he come? And then you get an infinitely loving God. This is that's my favorite because this is what the world thinks God is. All loving, all kind, all is forgiven. You can just all come and everybody's in my family and everything's lovely. He wouldn't have bothered to come either. Why? Because he's going to forgive everybody. But our God is infinitely holy and infinitely loving. So the one wouldn't have come, and the other would, wouldn't either. But our God is infinitely holy and infinitely loving. So he couldn't look on sin. He's got the same characteristics as the first God. He can't look on sin. You know, so when Adam and Eve got, uh, when they left the garden, I was going to say chucked out, but didn't get chucked out, actually. The world believes God is a meanie and he chucked them out. He didn't. He's so holy. They were clothed in his glory, right? They were nude, naked. Didn't even know they were naked because his glory covered them. When they sinned, it was a trigger moment and they had to leave or his glory and his holiness would have burned them up. So our God is infinitely holy and the sin penalty had to be paid for. But he knows we can't reach him. So he had to come to fix it himself. That's what incarnation means. He had to come to fix it himself. And then, so infinitely loving that he knew we couldn't get there. So he is infinitely loving, infinitely holy. But the world likes to believe he's infinitely loving only, so he's not going to bother about us. And no, he does. Do you know that fire burns and cooks food? It can burn the house down, but it cooks food. So it's an intellectual crisis for a lot of people because... Uh, a lot of people get stuck intellectually and they can't understand all the things Jesus did. You know, what do you mean miracles? What do you mean die for our sins? What do you mean rise from the dead? We can sort of understand that one because some people have been resurrected. What do you mean ascend to the Father? But if you get incarnation, you understand why. Because he had to come and fix the sin problem. Only he can do it because he is the light of the world. And that's the message of Christmas. So we just need to realign our lives and always remember. So Ian can have his Christmas tree, etc. But when people come in our house, especially those that know, don't know Jesus, they're in my house, captive audience, baby shoes. I tell them, Jesus is Lord, you know. <laughs> but now there's also a personal crisis involved here. If this creator God indeed came incarnate in flesh for us, and we understand that it's a God with us moment. This is big, friends. If we get it, it must, we have to fall on our faces and say, 
we have to, I have to center my life around you, Jesus, because it's so big. And if we're not getting it, then we need to ask ourselves why. And an underlying thought is that you can only receive the things of God by revelation, not by intellect. And I think our intellect blocks us, some in the Western world, and suffering in third world countries blocks people. Because we want to receive him the way we want to. And you can't have the God-man on your terms. It's only on his terms. So lots of people say, I believe in Jesus. I mean, lots of Western countries, lots of people, oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, the demons believe too, and they tremble. But if your life has not changed fundamentally, and you're not centering your life around your devotion to him, friends, are, we need to ask ourselves, did we really get it? Have we really got it? Or are we just living like a quasi-life? If we get it, God became flesh because of Emmanuel with us, then he'll be the driving central force of our lives. We'll get up in the mornings, and even myself, I've asked myself this question, you know, is it a driving central force, or is it come to church, have a good time on Sundays, please preach stuff that make me feel better, and off I go, and then on Monday morning, cheers God, see you next Sunday. No, or do I get up on Monday morning with an instant awareness of his presence? That's a challenge. But now, it's good news. As Louise said last week, there's more, like a very marked advert. There is a great hope. If we get that there's a creator God, the world sinned, he came to fix it, then there is a great hope for us. This isn't all there is, friends. We're going back to our real home. But you see, because we can't see it, our mind tilts. But if you look at the wind, we can't see the wind, but we see the dust. I know I've got these allergies. And we see the rain, and we see all the effects of the wind. And it's the same with God. There, this is not all there is, and one day evil and suffering will end. Isn't that fantastic? And then there's an infinite comfort in the suffering. As I said, at, at Gethsemane on the cross, whatever we're going through, sometimes it really sucks, and life is really hard. You know, you don't jump off the train. You just let the conductor take things ahead for you. And there is love and life after death, and Jesus comforts us in our darkness places, eh? So that's the application of Christmas. Sorry, I think I went backwards, yes. And God is literally with us. This is what Emmanuel means. And it means not a life of perfection free from trouble. It's a life of withness. This is one of my mantras at the moment. Withness. Imagine having a life of withness. Everywhere you go is with you. Everywhere. You know that in the Old Testament... So first he lived with the boys and girls in Eden, Adam and Eve. I think there were only one of them will drop the S's. The boy and girl tabernacled with them. Then they had to leave. And then when, when Israel came, he built a little tent, right, called a Ark of the Covenant thingy. And only some people could go in there. Do you know in the New Covenant that he now tabernacles inside our hearts? If that doesn't get you jumping up on a Sunday morning, then I don't know. So when I get depressed, I just go and read what the Word tells me, and I believe what the Word said. God with me everywhere I go, incarnate inside of me. So when I'm really down in my cupboard huddling, God is God. Is God. God is flesh. God is with me. Mantras, friends, let's do it. With us, a witness. So, you know, in the Old Testament, thunder and lightning and very, very frightening. That was the, that was the mode of operandi with God. Everything was a terror moment. Not all of them, but mostly terror. And all the Israelites were invited to go up the mountain with Moses but there was a three-day period and the trumpet would sound and they would cleanse themselves and they, right at the cusp, they went, uh -uh, Mo, you go, we're a bit scared. So off he went, you know, Moses went up the mountain. And this is the other thing, that in the new covenant, not only does he live within us, 
but we have unfettered access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Friends, I mean, I'm so excited I could pop out of my skin, you know, and it's been like this for a few years now. It can only get better. Me and Annalisa, we have pop out the skin moments. We meet for coffee and we cheer Jesus, eh, Annalisa? And some other ladies that, we have, that I have coffee with. And the other interesting thing is he came as a baby. And the reason for that is on the slide. Could have come as a fully grown man, right? And just sorted stuff out. Came as a baby because he didn't come to bring judgment. He came to bear judgment. So he went through the whole gambit of human emotions, all the experiences we have, the whole lot. Fully God, fully man. Laid aside his glory and became just like us. Nothing special, ordinary, until he went to the cross. And even then, as a man he went, eh? not as. So the barrier has been taken away because of the blood of Jesus. I mean, what can I say? I mean, let's get this. And you know what? If you can't get it, I'm going to give you some pointers in a moment on how to just get beyond. Go to God and ask him, you know? So, the incarnation, God became flesh, not only to let us know he exists, but to know that he is with us. Not a life of perfection free of problems, a life of withness. Practice withness this week, whatever happens. Hey? Eric's girlfriend. What's your name again? Michelle. Somebody asked me this week and I went, oh, I can't remember the lady's name. So if you want this life of withness, it doesn't just come by itself. You know salvation's free. Mahala, as we've just said, the blood of Jesus. But discipleship has a cost. You have to really want it. So there's a couple of courage issues. We have to have the courage to admit that we're sinners. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to repent. And repent is not an emotion. Repent is an issue of the will. So if you, it's the same as being a disciple. If there's a whole lot of things you don't understand, you don't throw them out and say, I'm not going to serve God anymore. I've got lots of things I don't understand. I just put them on the shelf. And I say, but I believe in him. And then as I go along, he'll work it out and he'll tell me other things about what I need to know. And it's the same with repentance. You may feel nothing, no emotion at all at every step of growth. The Hebrew mindset, as Louise has taught so many times, bows down and says, you are God and I am man, and I will do what you say, and then my emotions catch up. The Greek mindset goes, what's in it for me, bud? Yay, yay, lacquer hill song songs, and we have a lovely time until things go wrong. What? I'm not serving you anymore. You can't even take care of your people. No, because it was all about you. It wasn't about him. Let's call brass tacks, you know. Singular focus on Jesus. Are we living for an audience of one with a singular focus? Give up the right to self-determination. We spoke about the king and lord advisor. He's king, friends. He's not an advisor that comes along and helps us out with our stuff. He's not a cosmic life coach. We have to bow our knees to him. And it's not about us fulfilling our dreams and desires. It's finding out what his plans and purposes are. It doesn't mean that we give up our lives. It means we don't. Our stuff is not central. The driving central focus of our lives is the worship and adoration of King Jesus. So a couple more elements of... Um, Courage. I was talking to somebody before the meeting. We have to take the world's disdain. So you may live in an environment where half the family is another religion, or you may work with a bunch of people that believe different things to you. We have to live counterculture. And I often say to Ian, you know, oh, love, are we living counterculture, or do we just look like everybody else around us? So don't do it as law. I do it unto the king. And I say, come and show me. And sometimes I'm really sorry I asked him that. Because then he comes and puts his finger on a few things. He says, that doesn't look good on you. That's to go. And then I go, okay, that's fine, but I don't know how to. And then I just bow down until he shows me. And I look around two months later, and when I changed the way I looked at things, the things I looked at changed. 
And suddenly I'm doing things the way he wants them, not the way I want them. You can't have the God-man on your own terms. Sorry, it's the, the bottom line. Death to self or death of self. I just want to quickly talk about this for a moment. It's that heart posture. So people say to me, what do you mean? I've got to give up myself? No, we have a self. But that self comes under lordship. That's what it means. So I still have a self, but I die to self, not of. I still have a self. But now what he wants reigns, not what I want. And yes, sometimes we have to make choices, even though we don't feel like it. We would hope. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, oh, you must be very motivated. It's about diet and exercise. I said, motivation means squat. Day one, it gets you through. Discipline. You choose every day thereafter to do it. And it's the same with this. We, we, we're going to repent with our will, and we'll wait until our emotions come in line, and then we'll move in the direction of Jesus. Because we want this like, la 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 kumbaya feeling all the time. It doesn't always feel like that. We have to live the life. And then you'll get a, a new self-image. So whether it's a good or bad self-image is incidental. You could have a really good self-image because you're in a really good place in your life, or you could have a really bad self-image. Both of those, good or bad, are polarized. We need to get in Christ. And we get his self-image. And then you don't care anymore about what other people say. So now as a follower of this incarnated God came to flesh, Jesus witness me, believer, a person like that, you might be going, shares. Honestly, the stuff you're talking about, I'm not experiencing this. How do I get it? Not by sitting on your rusty dusty, I can tell you. <laughs> so let's have a quick look at uh, some personal elements and then some... Um, two things. Communication, that way, this way. Why does everybody laugh at me? Um, so... We need a regular, honest, daily prayer life. You can't, and it's not just devotions in the morning. So for years and years and years, I did very nice devotions for decades, and I'd go to work and forget about Jesus. And he was in my heart, and it was fine. But we have to find a way to make it a reality where we have a daily conversation with him all the time. So you have to find mechanisms to do that. And you'll know when your prayer life is good when there's a real sense of his presence in your life on a daily basis. You know him. You talk to him. You don't hide your failings and your stuff from him. You go to him and you say, help me with this. Help me with that. There's a couple of psalms. If you've got a notebook or a picture, all psalms will help you. But those ones in particular will show you how to have that kind of life. And then you have to hear his voice back. So I have a couple of people that I'm talking to currently in this church, outside the church, wherever. I can't hear God's voice. How come you hear him so well? Well, I have a deep acquaintance of the Bible. I've spent decades doing it. And it doesn't matter if you're a new Christian. Start now. You're amazed how quickly the decades go. You have to be able to read it, meditate it, understand it, get it under your belt. There are nuances. 50 years later of being a believer since I was about minus three. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 95. Look how young I look. You have to have a deep acquaintance. So you've got to spend more time than just your devotions. So for many, at different seasons, friends, you do different things in different times. So I would use my devotions for years just to read the Word until I realized that I was full of Word, but I didn't have any relationship with Jesus. I really, I didn't. I knew the Word. So now I have devotions where I just walk in the garden for 20 minutes with a cat, not in the winter, and I have coffee, and I look at my roses, and I just pour out my heart to Him, and I'm connected for the day. I feel his presence. And then at other times, I do Bible studies. So here's a challenge. How about one hour a week? One hour on a Thursday night or a Wednesday night. Find a program so that you don't have to think what you're doing. You're doing a study on that or this or the other. And one hour a week, get into it and do it. One hour a week, friends, come. 
I'm going to come and talk to some of you that I know in three weeks' time and ask you, where's your hour? What did you do? Tell me what you learned. Because you've got to get it under you. And then later on, when your life, the seasons of your life change and you don't have small children or you're not working anymore or whatever, you can do more. But you've got to do something. You've got to hear his voice back again. And you have to be fed in your heart and mind and soul. So sorry for you. If you want to learn how to be with this life of witness with Jesus, you've got to do, become a disciple and there's a cost. You've got to put some effort in. And then the communal things. Church, why do we come here? The worship this morning was incredible. I mean, I've never had my hands down the whole time. They were getting tired because they were just up there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, you can't get worship like this at home. Ian and I try. <laughs> we put on worship music, lie on the floor, worship God for literally an hour or two if this presence will come. Not because I conjured it up. When two or three are in his name, he's always there. But our hearts have to get connected to his. He's always connected to us. And why? Prayer, fellowship, breaking bread, worship, and this, the teaching, the declared prophetic word of God. I've said it before, 50 Sundays a year, you get the prophetic declared word of God. So what did I do this morning? I preached and taught what has already happened, what Jesus has done for us. That's the prophetic declared word of God. Why would you not come and get your hearts cheered? And it gets preached magnificently. Why am I still at Lifehouse? Because it's Bible class preaching. And I like most of you. And then life groups during the week, make it a priority. Some people can't, seasons. You may have little children, you may have a hectic job that works 12 hours a day, you may be terminally ill, whatever. Maybe you can't make it, but in some seasons of your life, choose. Ian and I have been thinking about starting an online life group. We haven't even spoken to Gary about it. Because I'm sure there's many people in this church, and we already lead one, by the way, here in the church foyer, 7 p.m., Tuesday nights. Come at quarter to seven for coffee. Done at 8.30, everybody out here by quarter to nine. Because maybe some of you can't get here. Whatever, don't have transport, little kids. And maybe an online would be better than nothing. And maybe if we just did it for one hour online on a Thursday night or something, you know, or a Wednesday night or whatever, I'll give up an hour of my time for you to help you. So we'll see you next year when, if there's a need for that. So, in closing, three sentences. If you want to know this incarnated Jesus and you want to live a life of witness, Emmanuel with you, dig deeper, go deeper, spend more time. We have to get this. In. You know, there is a life of such richness in Christ that I'm experiencing, you know, in the last few years. And if you're not, you may as well go back to the world because you know the truth, but you just, it's not working for you for whatever reason. Again, I offer myself, anybody who wants to have a chat, I don't have to work anymore commercially. I'm happy to meet you for coffee. You can walk a journey with me for a few months. I'll teach you some stuff, you know, can pray together. Find a way to get more where you need to be. And then what will happen is your courage will rise, and he will be with you, and you will be with him.